so thankful for that worship, hearing those promises. Oh. There are some times when uh, I personally would love if uh, we collectively were more vocal in our worship experiences. Those times where being able to go, yes, amen, amen. That was one of those times. Just, anyways, uh, very thankful for that. All right, so here's what I want us to do today. I want uh, to relieve you of a burden. I want to relieve myself of a burden. Now, what we're going to talk about, you might not recognize as a burden. You wouldn't be alone. In fact, a whole lot of us, when we think about this particular topic, when, when we think about this activity, we actually find it delicious. We find it incredibly satisfying, at least in the short term. In fact, we might even find it energizing. But in truth, this particular activity, this particular burden is actually toxic to you and to others around you. And it was a burden, it is a burden that you were never meant to carry. To lay this burden down may feel foolish to you. You may feel a little silly about it. In fact, it could end up leaving you, you feeling vulnerable and awkward in this world. It's such a common burden that people carry that if you choose to lay it down, which I hope you do, that you'll probably be the odd one out. Even within the Christian population, you'll probably be the odd one out. But laying this burden down, relieving yourself of this burden, is probably one of the best things you can do for yourself, for others around you, and for your relationship with God for your worship of God. Our text is James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. So if you have your Bible, feel free to open it to that passage. And just one note as we go into it, James is talking to Christians about their relationship with other Christians. There are plenty of times in the Bible where there's discussion about how Christians are to love and care for the people uh, who aren't yet Christians. And and, but that's not what James is talking about here. When he uses the term brothers, we know that it means brothers and sisters. In context, the language would have meant that, brothers and sisters. And he's talking about brothers and sisters in the faith, talking and relating to brothers and sisters in the faith. So if you happen to be someone who's not yet sure about Christianity and you're looking in this morning, uh, please know that, that this is how God would have people who follow Jesus treat one another. All right, with that in mind, let's go ahead and go to our text this morning. It is James 4, verses 11 and 12. Hear the Word of God. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? 
May God add his blessing to the reading of his word, and may God bless our time together as well. So through James, God speaks to relieve us of the burden of playing both judge and lawgiver. He wants to remove that. He wants to remove from us the, the, the weight, the heaviness of being judge and lawgiver. Here's how James gets at it. He says, do not speak evil against one another. The original word is kata laleo. Laleo is to utter or to speak. Kata is a prefix meaning against. Do not speak against. Do not speak evil against. And in context, we understand that this is do not slander. Do not slander. If you've been following this story in James, he's... He's called out the people that inside of them they have this bitter envy, uh, this bitter jealousy, and these selfish ambitions. And because of this bitter jealousy and selfish ambitions, they're at each other's throat. He even called out that they're not listening. He said, hey, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And because they have these inner things of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition and, and they're not listening to one another, they end up quarreling and fighting. That was in the first part of chapter 4. And so you can see if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition and you're not listening to each other and you're quarreling and fighting, that there's a pretty good chance you're probably speaking against one another. It's stuff of playgrounds, right? That out in the playground, people quickly uh, divide into cliques and and you've got your mates and someone else has their mates and, and so-and-so said something about so-and-so and, and, and they're cheaters anyways and all of a sudden there are these words coming out where we're speaking against one another. It's the stuff of playgrounds. It's also the stuff of political campaigns. And it's the stuff of congregations. Dr. Moo in his commentary calls out the different forms that this can take. When you go back through Scripture and you look how these words are being used, he says one form of it is that we question legitimate authority. We speak against, we question legitimate authority. This happens in churches all the time. We've talked about it before how in churches we can we have three hats, and we tend to put on these three hats whenever we feel like putting on that particular hat. We have a hat where we put it on and we say, I'm the customer. Everybody serve me. This is what I like. I'm the customer. Then there's the hat of, well, I'm one of the ministers. I'm, I'm an employee. I'm, I'm part of the staff. All of us, by the way, this is the hat that the Scripture loves it when we wear, that we're all in this serving God together. That's, that's the hat that Scripture just underscores the importance. The third hat is the one where we put it on and we're the boss. We're the boss. And the thing is, we go through church life and we switch these hats all the time as to whatever fits us at that moment. And when we put on that hat, the boss, we can question the legitimate authority. I read of a church this past week, a pastor was choosing to leave the ministry. He just had reached that point where it was just too much. A, a member of this church, uh, a substantial giver, had communicated that he was withdrawing his funds and his financial support. 
not because of errant theology, not because of worship practices that were seeking after other gods, but it was over mask wearing, questioning legitimate authority, slandering, speaking against. Another form of this that Dr. Moo talks about is um, speaking maliciously in secret. You know, when we, when we say something to someone else about another person, and, and we may even say, well, you know, I'd say this to their face, but we don't. And if we did, we might not do it with the desire to love and to restore and to reconcile, to, to speak redemptively with someone. Instead, we go and we speak to others about them maliciously. We slander them. We speak against them. And a, a third way that Moo calls, calls this out is that we make these inaccurate accusations. Hey, you know what? I heard about so-and-so. Or we, we make an assumption about their motivations. You know, that person is always about... And we make these accusations. We speak against. And what the result is that we ruin reputations, divide communities, and we offend God. Okay, that's slander. That's speaking against. But what James does in these two little verses is he goes... Listen, behind that is something even more substantial. As substantial as that is, there's something even more substantial. For when we speak against a brother or sister in Christ, we're actually speaking against God's law. We're judging the law. We're not doing the law. We become judges of the law. There seems to be a connection between James and the 19th chapter of Leviticus. The way James teaches and what he focuses on has this connection between Leviticus 19 and, and the exhortation, the encouragements that James is providing. When you go to verse 16 in Leviticus 19, you find these words. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons and daughters of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself." You know, James has already pointed us to this, what he calls royal law, this love of neighbor. And so if we slander, if we speak maliciously in secret, if we question the legitimate authority, if, if, if we're making these uh, inaccurate accusations, we're judging against the law of God to love our neighbor. So here's what I want us to do with the rest of the time is we're going to take a look at how do we relieve ourselves of the burden of being the judge. I want to talk about judging. I want, I want us to look at some points because I believe that judging within the body of Christ is something that we struggle to understand and we struggle to, to get um, uh, right or, or to, to apply it well. So there's three things that, that I'd like us to be able to focus on uh, in this conversation. The first is this. When it comes to judging, we don't judge what we ought to judge. 
and we judge what we ought not to judge. So if there are ways to mess it up, we're doing quite well at messing it up. We don't judge what we ought to judge, and we judge what we ought not to judge. So what are we supposed to judge? Well, we're supposed to judge truth. There's a, a place in Galatians, Galatians 1.9, where Paul calls upon the people to have no other gospel, that really you need to know what the gospel is. What is the good news of Jesus Christ? That, that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but would have eternal life. That Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. And nobody comes to the Father except through Him. So if anyone's adding works to the gospel, if, if anyone is coming up with a, a different kind of truth, we need to judge that and call that out. In 1 John 4, 1, we're, we're called to test the spirits. We're to judge the spirits. Is this the spirit of God at work? Or is, is this some other spirit, some, some dark spirit at work? And, and we're to judge those things. To have the discernment to make the distinctions. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 20 and through 22, we're called to judge the prophecies, to test the prophecies, the teaching. Is, does this align with the rest of God's Word? We're called to judge tr truth. We're also called to judge sin. So we can look at places like Matthew 18, where if somebody sins against you, you go to that person and you have this conversation, you try to work at restoration. There's a whole way to work that out. We could look at Galatians chapter 6. We could look at 1 Thessalonians 5.14. There's these places, by the way, these are all mentioned in the study guide for this morning. But here's what they have. When you judge sin, it's always toward restoration. It's always seeking in tenderness to, to come alongside and, and to restore and to reconcile and to put people back into a proper walk with God in, in a proper relationship with the community. We're to called to judge truth and judge sin. All right, so what are we not to judge? This is what James gets at. This is what James gets at. In fact, he builds on what Jesus had already taught. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, judge not lest you not be judged. And what James highlights is that this whole work of condemnation to announce a, a, a determining word over a person, to, to cancel them out, to, to shade out their name in our books, to, to put a, a, a tick mark against them that, that we always refer to when we think of that person. We're not to judge the person. Ours is not to condemn. Ours is to love. So here, the first point is we don't judge that what we ought to judge, but we judge what we ought not to judge. And James wants to help us get that right, to correct that. So here's the second thing. There is but one lawgiver and judge. There's but one lawgiver and judge. James says it is 
he who is able to save and to destroy. God. God is the one lawgiver and judge. He has the authority to do so. He has the responsibility to his own character, to his own nature to judge, to save, to destroy, to, to honor himself in all the decisions that he makes. That's who God is. We know if we look at Genesis chapter 2, this account of prehistory of uh, as God lets us know who he is and who we are and how things are to work in this world, God comes to that first man and he says, listen, you can eat of any of the trees in this garden, but just don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's a law given. The lawgiver gives laws. We know that, that that first couple went against the law and they incurred judgment from the one who judges. We know in Exodus 24, verse 12, God says to Moses, hey, come on up the mountain. I, I want to give you laws that then you will give to the rest of the people. And we know that God intends that so that his whole people would be set up in this relationship that the rest of the world could look in and know something about God through the behavior of his people. And in that covenant, not only did he give laws, but he said, listen, if these aren't followed, here are the consequences, the lawgiver and the judge, because that's who God is. We jump forward in time to the time of Jeremiah, the prophet. Jeremiah said, hey, this is God speaking through Jeremiah, that, that God was going to establish a new covenant. And in that new relationship with his people, he was going to write his laws on their hearts. The lawgiver. We finally come to the time of Jesus in John chapter 13, we hear those words. Jesus says them. A new commandment I give you. The lawgiver. A new commandment I give you. That you love one another. The psalmist in Psalm 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. God gives laws perfectly, to revive the soul, to, to bring redemption, to keep us from sin. God establishes laws. And when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest law of them all? He gives that infamous answer, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, all of the law is summed up in these so when we have a relationship with somebody, and we'll use this stool here as, as just to indicate somebody else, it's God's intent that his law would establish what this relationship is all about. That when I enter into a friendship, a connection with another follower of Christ, that, that God's law would be what would define this relationship. And God says in his law that I am to love my neighbor as I love myself. That God desires that the, the, the fullness of this relationship is always defined by his love for us. That we would love one another. There's but one lawgiver. One judge. And it's God. Alright, so the third point I want us to... Uh, 
grasp with regard to judging is to admit that we make lousy judges of people and lousy lawgivers. That we make for <laughs> lousy judges of others and um, lawgivers. Here's how it works. You see, we can, we can affirm that God has a law that in my relationship with someone I should probably follow this, but in, in reality what happens is I pull out my own little law-giving book and I start making up all my own little expectations and rules for this relationship. And, and I might actually borrow words from God, but I'm going to give it my little twist to it. I'm going to give my little interpretation. And it may be that I value certain behaviors more than others. And I, I write those down in here. And then I hold this book, this, this set of laws, these set of expectations, these rules for relationships... And I establish them in this connection with my brother or sister. And I hold them to this. I become the judge of whether they live up to my expectations or not. And if they don't, again, I'll put a tick there. And if they have too many ticks, I begin to shade their name out. And if they get too far, I'll cancel them. I'll just put a line between them and say, I'm done with you. Because you don't live according to my rules, my laws. But we're lousy at this. Let me give some reasons why we're so lousy at it. The first one is this. We tend to judge beyond our authority and responsibility. That's our tendency. We tend to judge beyond our authority and responsibility. Like, like we determine the value of this person by our own thoughts and reflections, rather than letting God speak into the value of this person and, and me submitting to God with regard to the value of this person, I overstep my responsibilities, my authority. Another reason for why we make lousy judges is that we tend to judge according to our biases, our prejudices, our preferences, and our purposes. That when I, I come up with my little set of laws, I, I'm writing myself into this all the time. I, I, I write from my own narrative, my own story life. All of my hurts and wounds can kind of color how I then judge others. And so rather than seeing this person from the perspective of God, I see this person from the perspective of my own agenda, my own preferences, it makes for a lousy judge and lawgiver. The third reason is that we tend to judge personalities and characterizations of people. So we come in and, and, and we, we find this friction point between our two personalities and, oh gosh, you're so detailed-oriented and it frustrates me. Or you're so big-picture-oriented and, gosh, why don't you pay attention to the details? Or, or we take a, an aspect of them that annoys us. And, and like someone who draws those caricatures, we blow it up bigger than life. And, and all we can see is that flaw, that thing that irritates us. And we judge according to it. A fourth reason why we make lousy judges is that we judge without knowing all the facts or all the context you see, when God judges, God knows the whole story. 
God knows all about that person. God knows all about me. And, and, and God has this command, love one another just as you love yourself. And, and when God comes to that point and he's, he judges and he, and he moves in our midst, he knows. He knows. Whereas when I make my own list of rules and I, I don't know all the facts, I just know what I know and I let that be enough and I start making my notes about the other person. We make lousy judges because when we judge, we judge to make ourselves feel better. This is the deliciousness of the burden of judging and law-giving. We, we want to feel better. So in our frustration, we can take this person and shade them out. We can draw a line through them. We can, we can check them off our list because we're frustrated. They're not living at our speed, doing things the way we want them to do. And it has to do more with our feelings than anything that God wants to accomplish in it. We make lousy judges because we judge according to our own personal laws. We're, some of us are pretty good at rewriting them in, in God language, but they're still our personal laws. And, and when we choose to go by our personal laws, we end up judging against the law of God. And finally, the last one we'll mention is we make lousy judges because we tend to judge with little to no mercy. It was such a big issue in the early church that God hit on it time and time and time again. Our tendency is to judge with little to no mercy. Oh, we give ourselves all kinds of mercy but we can look across the way and figure, I've given enough. I'm going to tap out. It's on you now. And so here's where the burden comes in. We're trying to keep this, this tablet of, of all of our laws and, and all of our findings and all of our judgments against people, and, and, and it becomes toxic because that person probably has their own book. And we're working so hard of keeping our own books toward each other that then we find that there's disunity and disconnect. And it makes us then work harder and we get more frustrated. And God just simply wants us to close these books, put them down, and relieve ourselves of the burden and let His law define this relationship. So let's talk just real briefly then of how we can step into this, how we can learn to let go of playing judge and lawgiver and instead live by God's desires for the relationships. The first thing we can do is just what James had said, uh, what we looked at last week. Resist the devil because he'll flee from us. So wherever there's temptation, just resist it. Just learn learn that there is temptation and, and to resist it and that the devil will flee, that the temptation is not eternal and draw near to God. 
that if I'm drawing near to God and, and I, I know God is big and those promises we came under that, that Josh spoke over us today in worship, those promises as we draw near to God, then they can influence, they can define my connection with others. That's the first thing. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. It's a great place to start. The next thing we can do is choose. And this is a choice. This is a choice. We can choose to see people differently. Have you ever been to a 3D movie? Have you ever, you know, put on those little cardboard glasses and there's a a red lens and a blue lens? And and what they do is they know that there's this distance between your two eyes. And and what they do is they, they put two pictures up on the screen that are just off from each other. And they tint one of them so that, that when you look through the, the, the blue lens, it shows up differently, and they tip, tint the other one. So you look through the red, and it gives you this perspective. Well, I think there's two lenses that we can put on that gives us a whole different perspective about this relationship. And it's a choice. We can choose to see this person through the love that God has for them. This person, my brother, my sister in Christ, is loved by God. And to let that be one of my lenses, that this person is so loved by God that God sent God's only son to die for this person, created this person in his image. And the other lens then is to see the person through the grace that God has shown me. <laughs> that God sent his son to die for me, to pay the penalty for all the things that I do and the way I lean. And, 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 and God keeps coming after me with his love. And the grace he has shown me becomes my other lens. So I, I see the person through the love that God has for them and through the grace that God has shown me. It's a choice. Maybe it's a hundred times a day choice. The third thing is this, commit to practicing the one another's. In God's Word, in the New Testament, God has these one another's. Love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, bear one another's burdens. There's duplication, but it amounts to somewhere over 50 of these one another's in the New Testament. And so instead of having my law book, I'm going to practice these laws of God, these one another exhortations, and I figure that maybe next year I'll be better than I am this year, and, and maybe five years from now, maybe ten years from now, if I keep practicing, they'll become more definitive to the pattern of my life. And the final thing is simply to let God be the judge. I don't have to judge my brother or sister. I have to love them. I don't get to judge my brother or sister. I get to love my brother or sister. So do you want to be relieved of the burden? Whatever book you've been keeping and making all your own rules and checking names off, crossing them out, What if today you said, God, help me put that book down? Help me love all my brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray together.
Father, we celebrate that you are the lawgiver, you are the judge. There is nothing comparable to your holiness, to your goodness. We would be lost if anyone else was the lawgiver or the judge. So we praise you and we acknowledge that you are the supreme giver of laws, the supreme judge. God, would you set us free today? Would you help us make that decision that we will choose love? As hard as it might be, it is in those places where we may feel like it's the most awkward, vulnerable, most exposed thing we could ever do is to love another person. Would you help us? Let you be the judge. We give you praise. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.